Malcolm Honline with us from Israel. Always extra special when he reports from the Holy Land. Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Mr. Honline, happy Purim Katan and welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Especially good to be with you from Jerusalem and especially on Purim Katan. And people are celebrating here or commemorating it. This year they need it especially, and um, and I hope that Purim by Purim will be able to celebrate the release of the hostages. But most of all, that all the Jews will be standing together with Israel. It's a tough time. There are great demands, but it's a heroic people. And I've been down at the army bases where we've been making uh, dinners for them and barbecues, of Saru Marpev from Bells and others. It's just unbelievable. And you see the achtut of the Jews of every stripe, every kind, dancing together, celebrating together, and defending Israel and the Jewish people together. Don't take it for granted. We need everybody. We need everybody to be involved. We're going to face really serious challenges. As the propaganda machines against us rev up and are working overtime, we have to be doing even more to counter it and to know what's at stake for all of us and our children and grandchildren in this. Yeah, point well taken, to say the least. Yesterday, terror attack at a checkpoint that all of us have been at many many times and what a strategy by the terrorists people are stuck in a traffic jam let's start and open fire upon them um not that this is any different than any other terror attack that we've seen over the years all of them seem to have their own creativity as we always point out Uh, but what do we know about what happened yesterday and again as i always ask a lone wolf type of attack, three isolated terrorists, or was this a directive from some other source? So we don't have all the facts yet. They haven't put it out. They're interrogating them. And obviously it's important for them to give them time because the information they get may enable them to round up uh, others who were involved. They did make a number of arrests uh, of others in the communities from which they came, but it's um you know, the, the, there's very few lone wolves in the sense that, that there isn't some influence or something that drives them to this uh, to take this kind of action. And we have to root out all of those. And Israel is working diligently. If you see the uh, uh, raids that have taken place, and sometimes they're not even reported anymore because it becomes so commonplace. But this is what has prevented a third front. You have the front in the south, you have the front in the north, but what even more dangerous would have been in the heart of Israel, and you saw from all of the actions that they took over the last six, eight months, long before October 7th, going into Tolkarim and Janine and being able to take out the manufacturing places, the um, the facilities that they had, the uh, stockpile of weapons, of rockets and other things, which if they hadn't done, could have been used and activated another front against us. So the work that's done there is super sensitive because they're often having to go into densely populated areas and uh, to try to minimize this, the civilian casualties as they carry it out. But thank God for what they have done. 
that the that we prevented so many deaths, and unfortunately, in this case, um, you know, it could the toll could have been much higher, but unfortunately, it still lost um, at least one and, and seven who were who were wounded. And it's funny; people are probably wondering why I would take the opening of such an important weekly update this week and discuss that attack. But this is one of the reasons because you always reassure us with facts, obviously. That, as you just described, it, 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 we don't realize because, unfortunately, we focus on, on the on the killing, on the injuries, etc., rightfully so. But we don't realize how much is prevented and the type of actions that are being taken to minimize these types of attacks. And I think, as you just described, yesterday is a perfect example. Yes, 100 percent. And it's it's one of many. And, you know, the raids take place and, and you see how quick the West, uh, even the West, let alone the enemies are, are to condemn and they they criticize when, in fact, these are life saving uh, exercises on the part of the military. It's based on hard information. And if it weren't for the great intelligence work and then the courage of the soldiers and you see films today, unfortunately, because of the body cams, I think. I think sometimes it would be better if there was less shown, but they that tells you, do you see how they operate the circumstances going through narrow alleyways and not just, you know, pre, preordained that, uh, that they were, that the shooters are in place. And the Israeli soldiers are able to, um, to, to not only come through safely, but also to eliminate the threats and dangers pretty amazing today is day number 139 we're about to start unless please god they're released in the next few hours about to start the 20th full shabbat that our brothers and sisters are being held by the enemy it it looks like there are a couple of things that have come up in the last 24 hours in the news regarding a potential hostage deal number one now they're starting to talk about and i'm finding this ramadan deadline fascinating as you know but whatever Uh, i've been thinking about it a lot but they're talking about the possibility of a hostage deal dafka before ramadan and now they're mentioning in the news how israel has become more cooperative and is ready to send delegations to more and more of these hostage talks give us the update on all this please so I think you just summarized it pretty well. There are talks going on, various talks. Uh, Israel did not send a delegation initially to Cairo. Uh, they are there now. There are talks going on with Israelis, um, but they're not going to dignify the irrational proposals, and especially those that call for immediate ceasefires as opposed to humanitarian pause, those that you know, tie in the Palestinian state and movement and all sorts of commitments and, you know, things that are contrary to the interests of peace, the interests of Israel, the interests of the United States, the interests of all of our allies, uh, and mostly, you know, the Arab allies who fear the trends and, the you know, some of these assertions because uh, to them, and I would say to a person, those leaders say to us, don't stop, don't stop, don't listen to the world, don't listen even to our public statements, decimate them, because Jordan, Egypt will pay a price, I think even more than Israel, I think the the uh, UAE, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, all of the West, Morocco, they all know that if Hamas is able to keep firing the day after, even one rocket, if their Sinai is able to go, Sinai to go and lead a parade, if they're able 
the whole manifestations, if the four brigades that are based in Rafa are not destroyed as well, and that they can then regroup and become the nucleus of a, of a rebuilt Hamas, that they will all pay the price for it. So will Israel. And therefore, Israel has to be given the time, the space to do what it has to do. It is continuing every day in Kanyunis, in, in other places. Uh, that they successfully are eliminating many, many thousands of terrorists over this period. And this is essential for whatever outcome for the day after to work. It cannot work if they we're going to have this cancerous infrastructure still in place metastasizing through the region. I just wish some of those government officials would say it a little louder, frankly. You know, we, we know, as you've described to us, that, they're, that not only do they agree, they're encouraging Israel under their breath to continue. I wish they would say it a little louder and some of the media sources would pick up those words. Yes, well, yeah, I agree with you. Unrealistic, I guess. All right, you just mentioned about the day after. The prime minister has said that the IDF will be responsible for security uh, in both Gaza and the quote-unquote West Bank whenever the day after uh, kicks in. Um, what does that mean? Does that mean we're setting ourselves up for world condemnation because of an IDF presence ultimately in Gaza and along the West Bank? Uh, is, is this uh, the only answer the prime minister has to the practical problem that we saw, you know, uh, you know, come to a head, obviously, on October the 7th? Uh, how do you evaluate the way he is evaluating security concerns after this war? Well, obviously, it's um, it is very heavy on his mind. I had the opportunity to sit and talk to him. Uh, obviously, I won't recount uh, a private conversation, but to, to, he fully understands it. He fully appreciates the seriousness of the moment. Uh, he's on top of, I think, of all aspects of this, but there are many interlocking considerations. So. You know, the day after, I think, has to be led to the day after. Right now, we can't afford the divisiveness and the and the separation. We've got to be focused on a victory and focused on our support for the troops and focused on the unity of the people and dealing with those who've been injured and all of the burdens that will come with it, as well as dealing with the, uh, as I did this morning, the thousands of uh, people from Kiryat Shimona, and from Stay Road, they've been replaced and mis- uh, they've been uh, removed and um, are today in, in still in hotels. And as you said, they've been living for months under these conditions. They want to go home, They want, but they want to go home to safe homes. Now, there are people in the south who have returned, but in the north, it's, it's impossible. And the RPGs continue to be fired, the, the tank, anti-tank missiles. Um, houses in Metula, Kirchman and other places are destroyed. And uh, whole areas are empty, whereas across on the Lebanese side, they're not empty. The villagers, by and large, are, are, are remaining there, and they're targeted attacks, but Israel, you know, hits specific uh, places. And I think um, everybody's trying to avoid uh, escalation on that border. But whatever solution is ultimately arrived at, what Israel is saying is there is nobody today who can take over the security 
of the of the region and provide security for Israel to right. prevent rebuilding of the troops that in the process of rebuilding and we know what happens how much money gets siphoned off and how much of the kleptocracy gets reactivated and that's really going to be the difference between this action and other actions in gaza right the result is going to be different israel's not going to allow anybody else to be responsible for security and you, you you know it's a massive job uh but that has to be done that there's also the process of the nazification as they call it you know to to uh, root out the educational system, the, including UNRWA. All of them have been collaborators. We see how journalists were subordinated to, to the terrorist uh, organizations and worked for them at the same time as they were, quote, reporting for, uh, for Al Jazeera and other media and certainly UNRWA officials and employees who, who were used. So for the prime minister right now and for the all of those who are considering it, there are all sorts of think tank groups that are working with the consent of the government, without the consent of the government, trying to come up with ideas because the PA can't rule the PA. It can't handle what it has right now. And it's in no position as Abbas in his 18th year of his four-year term and with the, not even having the support of three-quarters of his own people and in, in, the, in Gaza even less – uh, and and don't doesn't even have the infrastructure there anymore because he's been out of there for so long that there has to be uh, certainly an interim thing and hopefully some of the foreign governments will contribute and there have to be forces that can police the area and, and reestablish law and order but also to to uh, if you rebuild the society that it can't be just again that uh, Hamas and the others will and Iran and and their proxies take advantage of it take their percentage off the top of any expenses that are and expenditures that are being made as they do now. The aid that goes in, you know, the Hamas uh, officialdom takes a significant percentage off the top just for their people and that they sell sometimes to the people um, taking advantage of the generosity of, of the donors of all the stuff. There are 500 trucks waiting to get in to Gaza, not because Israel's holding them up, because the UNRWA workers and the others that uh, hold them up. And, and so there has to be an outcome that one says to people, all of our sacrifices, we understand why we had to make it. It's not because whether it's worth it, not worth it. It's because we understand this is Israel's future. It's the state. And people today remain as committed as ever. The resilience is amazing. The dedication of the Sahal, of the army to to their responsibilities is beyond belief. And, and guys say, I'm going home, but I'll be back in two weeks. You know, even when they're released, they're, they're planning already their return. And and the percentage, you know, that, that responded remains very high. Uh, some are being sent home, but they're being sent home for interperiods. Some are being moved to the north. Uh, you know, it's shifting around to meet uh, as the needs are, are being met. And the the um, mood in the country is that they understand why there has to be victory. People are very afraid of the day after of the political divisions coming back. They don't want them. And I hope that they will work to help prevent them. And I've talked to people about it. Uh, hopefully we can help also. From the outside, make people come together, hold to account those who seek to divide and to reintroduce divisive measures. This is not the time. Israel will need huge amounts of money, unbelievable amounts, just to rebuild its facilities to take care of the south and the north. It will take many billions of shekels. 
to, to do many billions and let alone the care of all those wounded, thousands of wounded, many amputees, many people with, you know, very serious um, uh, wounds and damages that have to be healed. So the, the needs are going to be very great, but the opportunities will be great, too. I believe there will be a big as I've said, I believe there will be uh, uh, an atmosphere of rebuilding. The political price will have to be paid. But frankly, uh, I think right now we should focus on the immediate needs. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline in Israel, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. I get it, and I understand the importance of the unity and the desire to not let any type of divisiveness enter Israeli society. And, and I, get, I understand the hope that this can last for a while, certainly <coughs> after the war is over. But, I mean, I, I, again, you know my perspective on this. This audience certainly clearly knows it. I'm not in favor of the prime minister still being in his position. And you and I could either disagree or, or discuss and analyze this, you know, as much as we want. However, however, the reality is and I'm sure you know this, last weekend was the largest protest in Tel Aviv against the Prime Minister since October 7th. And one would have to assume that these are only going to grow larger and larger and that he is going to be a focus of the disunity that's going to start creeping back in or has already started to creep back in into Israeli society. And by the way, based on the accounts I'm getting, these protests are much more across the board than the you know Supreme Court decision uh, or Supreme Court action or court or you know what I mean, <laughs> the protests of the past have been. So I get it. We want unity. We want a, a spirit country that's ready to move forward and rebuild but I, I i i foresee that these protests against the prime minister are only going to get larger and more vocal i think it's probably true but first of all demonstrations are for hostages as well which rallies people so many people there are not necessarily against the prime minister or a prime minister particular party but against uh, but for the hostages and for a reason as it gets drags on people are more and more concerned rightfully about the fate and what's happening to them and we should do everything possible in every effort to get them home and to let my people go from there <clears throat> and the the um and the rest of the equation you know we can debate because it's not just the prime minister i mean you look at the defense minister you look at the head of the shabak the head of the mossad the head of the idf the the former heads who who oversaw the last few years what happens to Benny Gantz and others? I mean, why are they not? He was chief of staff and minister of defenses. All of them, they, there will have to be accountability across the board about what did they do? What did they not do? Why did it take so long to respond? Why did there have to be so many cabanas? There was a surprise attack. What happened with defense? What happened with all the security barriers that were supposedly in place? Those questions will have to be addressed. But I would appeal that people address that after we take care first and foremost of the security situation. By the way, what, uh, I asked you earlier about the hostage deal by Ramadan. Anything anything with that deadline being in favor of a hostage deal or it's, it, it's not as relevant as I may think? Well, no, I think there is some relevance. It's, it's not it's not a deadline. It's a dateline. Um, it informs the discussion and because things change, you know, you're not going to have negotiators at the table. Some of them, you know, they fast all day. They 
We'll want to focus on that. Uh, and government, uh, I work in a lot of offices, uh, business offices come to a somewhat of a standstill during, um, or, or diminution, I should say, in Ramadan as right. people um, operate under these more complicated uh, situations. But I think the, the, um, um, the um, uh, likelihood and possibilities and the prospects for uh, what happens during Ramadan uh, are an overlay because people are home all day. It's a time when you can have more demonstrations. It's a time for, uh, you know, that they're in the mosques and can get excited by the imams. Uh, so I think everybody is conscious of it, but I wouldn't say... As I said, it's it's a that it's a deadline as much as a dateline that informs the discussion. BB has made clear they're not going to stop for Ramadan if there's not an agreement, if there's not a return of hostages, if if there isn't other steps taken. Where is Sinwar, and is his capture at this point a practical capture because it would uh, you know affect the ability of the enemy, or is it more of a symbolic attempt at this point? That's very good questions. The answer is we don't know where he is. Some people thought he was in Egypt. We're told now that he's not, that he's still, he still may be in the bowels of Khan Yunus. He's hiding like the rat he is underground. And they say that there has been no communication with him for a while. That could also be meant just to throw people off. But the Israelis also say that they haven't been able to trace any communications from him for a while, which means... He may be so underground that and not want to do anything that will give them an ability to trace his presence, or maybe he, he's been incapacitated in some capacity, though I think um, the intelligence would, would have more information on that. The, so his capture is very important. If you don't get the, 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 the head of the snake, the snake continues to function. We can eliminate a lot of parts of it, and it grows back or we'll come back. Eliminating Sinwar and a few of the other leaders is essential. If it weren't for the hostages, they would be able to do much more dramatic things. When people say, why does it go so slowly? Why does it take so long? You don't know what these soldiers face. As I've seen and talked to them, they have to go apartment by apartment. There are launchers in them. There are booby traps. There are explosives in all these places. And that they have to go with great care and and deliberation as they go from place to place. That's, uh, um, I think, so So where he is, we don't know. I don't believe he's out in Egypt. I don't know that Egypt would want him either, uh, unless he snuck out with the, the refugees, as they have done on numerous occasions. Yeah. And, they, and, and uh, eliminating him is essential. And anybody who watches the videos that come out of the soldiers, everything they're doing, which is with such precision and with so much strategy, is all while at the same time trying to avoid gunfire, grenades, RPGs, and everything else. I, I can't even fathom when I see these videos how they're able to operate the way they do. And with thank God so much strength and success that we continue to wish for them. And speaking of Egypt, what do you make of this uh, four-kilometer-wide buffer zone that they've created on the border with Gaza? I think it's important. I think it's a it's something that they've tried before. You know, when they closed the tunnels, and I think the uh, you know it gives them the ability to control the flow of people. You know, there's a great deal of fear that because if Israel starts moving in <clears throat> to Rafah, that many people will try to cross into Egypt. 
and Egypt is sealing the border. Israel is creating a safe corridor so as to obviate that uh, that option and get people to move back. But I think the the uh, Israel will have to create a similar buffer on the in the Gaza side, right. as well as partial buffer perhaps on its side. But you know it's very hard for Israel to go territory when it's so small. And here you have. Um, you know, the circumstances, we don't know which communities would be rebuilt. We don't know whether people will come back. So for Israel, having a buffer along the Gaza border will be important as well for the future. How happy were you that the United States vetoed the U.N. resolution regarding the ceasefire? Uh, Very happy. Uh, I wasn't sure what people weren't sure what they would do. But the fact is that the continued flirtations, though, with the Palestinian state, which is really not a viable option now, as we discussed, and, um, you know, it can be talked about in theory, but nobody would know how to construct it, how to build it, how to, and, and it becomes then a demand on Israel, as if it's Israel's responsibility to create a Palestinian state for them, and to to try and find a government and, and to somebody that they could agree upon. Uh, there's nobody now. So just doing this raises expectations that can't be uh, met and then puts demands on Israel that it should be creating the circumstances for it. Whereas the kleptocracy and the corruption and the, you know, all the favoritism for the leadership has, has at the expense of their people has, should be brought to an end. And it's not Israel's responsibility. It's theirs. They have a police force. They don't use them for anything. Israel has to do all the policing and cleaning up of these uh, factories and the manufacturing and the, and the rest of it. So right now we have to uh, work hard to maintain public support in America, to not let the lies and the distortions and misrepresentations constantly seeing these pictures on, on the television of, of uh, vict- supposed victims when uh, we've seen cases uh, with those that are doctored and manufactured and Israel puts out numbers which have proven to be extremely reliable and not those that come from the Pals- the, uh, the Ministry of Health, which is a Hamas agency and no reason for them to be telling the truth. That, yeah. So, uh, Congressman Gottheimer was in this studio this week. Good guy, by the way, and he assured us that uh, at least from his perspective, both the House and the Senate will eventually give Israel the aid that they need. Um, however, at the same time, we should acknowledge that President Biden, at least according to the report I saw, has authorized the thousands of bombs and bomb fuses and tens of millions of dollars of equipment to get to Israel. So even as things are being held up in the House and Senate, I mean, more more the House, um, still Washington is finding ways to, to help Israel with uh, equipment. And that is very important. And those who yell and scream that we should, about the president or others, look at the record Still at the United Nations, at the ICJ, and most of all, these shipments are vital to Israel. Israel will have to move towards greater independence in producing its own weapons. But you have a wide range of weapons. It's a great infrastructure investment. It's it's huge uh, uh, cash up front um, uh, expenses that they would have to to uh, expend in order to implement this vision and to produce the JDOMs and the other things that they use in great quantities. But in the meantime, the United States has come through. This is not the first one. There was a, a shipment of many planes that came in um, at the beginning of the war and that they sustained them. 
Israel tries to be reserved in the use of, of the Iron Dome and, and other things because it's so expensive each time it's fired. But the fact is, if it saves lives, it's, it's a worthy investment. And I think, um, you know, people have to show HaKasato for the good, just as you can be critical of the bad. And uh, and I think, you know, the Palestinian state proposal now diverts attention from the viable approaches that must be made by the uh, administration. And uh, we talked before about mobilizing the other countries to take responsibility, Qatar, uh, Egypt, others in, in, um, in Gaza. So that there would be a collective effort that would be least able to keep some sense of stability until uh, a solution is found. There is no non, no immediate one on the horizon. What got into the president of Brazil this week comparing uh, Israel's actions to the Holocaust? I think the children didn't agree with him and something happened. But, you know, he has a long history. Uh, this is not the first outrageous comment that he's made when it comes to us and the, comparing it to Hitler, the, the events in Gaza. I think there has to be um, uh, round condemnation. And those who do business in Brazil, those who do have contacts there should use them and mobilize them to speak out uh, about uh, uh, what happened. But I also have to admit that I was very disappointed that Secretary of State Blinken appeared with uh, the president of Brazil and smiling and did not make any public mention. I don't know if he privately did uh, mention of the outrageous comments uh, that he made. Wow, interesting. By the way, you know who bothers me even more? And you, you, you may, I'm, I'm serious now. You may work with him or locally here in this part of the world. You know, the, the, the groups that you're part of may work with him. So you don't have to, you don't have to acknowledge this if you don't want to. But I don't know what's with Brad Lander. This is the controller of the city of New York. And it seems whenever there's an anti-Israel statement from any level of government, he's ready to hop on. I mean, I, I don't know if this is a recent development or not. But, but, and again, I don't know if you want to address this, but I'll simply say that he is among the most disappointed pointing uh, public officials in this area when it comes to stands on Israel. Anything you want to say about that? Not disappointing. This is a, a trend that he's been on and a past he's been on for a long time. I agree with your frustration and anger about what he has said and what he has done. The fact that other Jewish members of the council and others joined him, but he is the citywide official and I think it's uh, it's a shame that he, he won and he's continued to be given the platform because, as you said, he never seems to hesitate to take a, a very hostile position when it comes to Israel. Yeah, he'll always swipe at Israel. United said they're going to fly to Israel starting on the 2nd of March. Delta said they're going to start on the 1st of May. We've seen these announcements before. They did not come to fruition. Do you think it's true this time around? I think it's a higher level of announcement which means it's probably more credible. I do think it's possible that it, they will do. They will uh, begin. They had scheduled flights even for now for this month, but they canceled them. And uh, I think that the aspirational date, because this is a very profitable route, people don't know, but it's, they make a lot of money on the New York to Tel Aviv uh, route. And right now, uh, only Allow flies directly to the States. Others are flying indirectly through various airlines. But the uh, these two, uh, both United and Delta, fly direct, which is much more preferable. <clears throat> Hopefully, that it will also help bring down some of the prices that are being charged now for these for coach and business uh, alike. It's It's really very expensive. And people want to go. 
So I hope that this will help build up the tourism season uh, to the success that we really need. You know, earlier you mentioned the whole Aliyah uh, uh, topic and rebuilding Israel, and, uh, and and you're predicting a massive Aliyah, which, please God, your words will come true. But you know what I found unusual, and maybe I just, it's always happened and I haven't paid as much attention. It is interesting how many government officials and journalists, many journalists who never even weighed in on this issue before, are now encouraging Jews outside of Israel to move to Israel. And it's sort of, it, it seems like it's a, it's a movement. It seems like it's it's a, uh, um, you know, a rallying cry that's coming from sources in Israel that normally didn't weigh in on this. Uh, yes, but I think it's also reading the reality and the sense that um, of, of unity with, with world Jewry. <clears throat> you know, there was a period when the diaspora was put down and was seen as a negative expression. That's not what you hear today. People appreciate the role, the lobby, the all the efforts that we make, the money and the financial assistance, but they most of all want people to come. And I think that that will be reflected in uh, in the coming months uh, after the war. That a lot, And a lot of young people from Jewish education has become too expensive for their kids right. who, you know, and, and they know that the earlier they buy... The housing, more likely to find it. You, I drove yesterday uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and I mean both ways. The number of cranes you see everywhere, as they say, it's the national bird of Israel is the crane. Because <laughs> there are countless, I'm telling you, I was, I was in two European capitals uh, right before October 7th, and I looked out and I could see a good part of their capital cities. You didn't see one crane. And if you saw one, it was really celebrated. Here, you cannot look anywhere, any window, anything where you don't see it. And, and in the areas, the suburban areas around Tel Aviv, around Yerushalayim, around, you see dozens of them. Literally, it's unbelievable. And ten year, but we want need more and more of this housing. There are so people will be able to come and find reasonable places for them to live. And to to enjoy Israel, despite the burdens of the war, it's still amazing here. And people are having a great time. The weather has been beautiful. So people should come. It's one of my favorite lines since I was a kid, the whole national bird thing. I think I, I, think I heard it like at least 10 Shabbatot a year in my house. <laughs> and it came up at the Shabbos table. Uh, if Israel was responsible, what did they accomplish with the airstrike in Damascus this week? That they knocked out some very important people, perhaps, and uh, supplies. You know, Syria is the waypoint for Iran to get supplies to Hezbollah, especially the precision guidance systems and more modern weapons, but also to their proxies in Iraq and in Syria, which, as you know, have been attacking Americans and are preparing all the time for an attack on Israel. And if there's an all-out war in the northern border, they might take well take advantage of it. These are Hamas, uh, I mean, Iranian-controlled uh, militias that uh, don't like Assad by and large, and Assad doesn't like them. You also have Turkish groups there, a Turkish army fighting in Syria. So the the um, when Israel learns of shipments of weapons, they they take them out. It's often in the port area, right. or if they uh, know that a very high value individual, it could be, by the way, United States doing it with a drone or Israel doing it. 
And finally, Malcolm, what do we learn from the video about the Bebus family, the family members shown on video? I mean, obviously, there's some comfort that we know that they've been alive at some point after October 7th. But I mean, is there does this help Israeli intelligence at all? Is, is, is there value to it beyond what I just said? To, to value to have to have that video to see the Bebas family members, you know, actually alive uh, in the hands of the enemy. The video that was released this week. Well, one the, one of the purposes is that they can't deny that they took them alive. That they claim that they were killed and uh, before. Now we know that in October they were alive. Right. We do not know the circumstances now. I have to tell you that I find this the most heart rendering when I look at those two little kids. I don't know any parent or grandparent or brother or sister doesn't see in those faces, you know, their relatives or loved ones and their own families. It's just so horrendous. But the the, in this case, the release of information, I don't agree with all the information. Sometimes they give too much detail. But this is important, just as the you know, there was a big debate about whether they should release the information, what happened to the women, what happened to others. But if the world doesn't understand the nature of the enemy that we're facing, and if we don't put the enemy on notice that you're not going to hide behind denials that you, well, if you actually, if they're not with us, and we pray they are, that they will be held to account for it. And don't tell us that Israel bombed them, and then don't tell them that they were, you know, when they left Gaza, they weren't alive. We know where they were, and we know there's many more footage that is being captured What's surprising me is that they don't destroy more. Uh, I mean, the Hamas guys don't destroy more of the the record and stuff. But I I spoke to guys who told me about some of the documents that they found, some of the uh, ongoing basis. They're getting incredible intelligence, which ties in Iran, which ties in others and, you know, tells the real story that I guess we'll only learn once this war is over. Yeah, eventually we'll all know about it. Uh, The incredible work of the... uh Israeli intelligence, and of course, of the army and all its personnel. Uh, have a wonderful Shabbos in Jerusalem. You're taken care of for Shabbat dinner tonight, or you need me to intervene? You're fine? Well, it would help, but we in the great synagogue of Jerusalem, of yeah. which I am proud to be president, are right. doing a dinner for lone soldiers. Wow. And we do each month one dinner uh, like this. We have 100 lone soldiers coming, plus guests. Uh, and um, we try to celebrate them and make them feel welcome and have a place. And it does gives them great chizuk. And but I tell you, everybody who comes walks away on a high to see these young people who are so committed and and you know not looking for the comfy life that they could have, but and and not marching for you know they want to see from the river to the sea to be Hamas free. Yeah, and all of us should celebrate them. Amen to that. Shabbat Shalom. We'll speak Bezrat Hashem next week. Be well. Malcolm Holmline, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM.